Welcome to the podcast of Christ Church in Town in Jacksonville, Florida. We are seeking the renewal of all things in Jesus Christ. Towards that end, we are committed to cultivating personal transformation in Christ, an uncommon fellowship of racially and economically diverse individuals, and the flourishing of our neighbors. To join our local body in membership or financial support, visit ChristChurchInTown.org. Well, this morning as we uh, proceed, we're going to be continuing a sermon series uh, in the book of Isaiah. Uh, If you remember last week, we saw uh, Isaiah's call when God appeared to Isaiah, revealed himself to him. Isaiah confessed his sin, was cleansed, and then sent uh, on a mission for God. And we're going to read the remainder of chapter 6 of Isaiah today. So if you are willing and able, would you please stand? for the reading of God's Word. Our scripture reading this morning is Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 through 13. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go, and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is the stump. This is God's word. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. You can be seated. Well, today we are going to talk uh, about hearing, about what we hear and how we hear. You know, we've said that, uh, that Isaiah, as a prophet, was a messenger for God. He was a spokesperson, somebody who was given a message and then spoke God's message to God's people. And now here at the outset of his mission, he's told that you can tell them all you want, you can tell them as accurately as you can, but these people are not going to listen. They're not going to hear. It's going to go in one ear and out the other. So we're going to talk about hearing Martin Luther said this, he said, the ears alone are the organ of a Christian. The ears alone are the organ of a Christian. You go, well, Christianity involves other body parts too, right? It involves what we think, thinking the right thoughts. It certainly involves our heart, our emotion. It involves uh, our hands going to serve and to obey, our feet walking to go. But what Luther was getting at was saying all of that starts when we hear. That Christianity fundamentally is, is about a message that we hear. It's a pronouncement of good news, the good news of God's victory in Jesus. And the beginning of the Christian life comes when we hear a message and respond in faith. And the ongoing life with God consists of hearing, hearing a message from beyond ourselves that addresses us. 
To be a Christian, to know God as he's revealed himself, is to listen to his message, to his voice. Ours is a hearing faith built on the announcement of good news. Just a quick survey of the Bible shows the importance of what we hear. Israel's central confession of faith in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. The Song of Songs in the second chapter says, my beloved speaks, the, the beloved speaks, and the object of his love hears. Hebrews chapter 1 begins this way. He says, in the, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, men like Isaiah, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken in his Son. Jesus himself is the Word, is the spoken revelation of the Father so that we can know him. And then Paul in Romans chapter 10, how can they believe in one that they've not heard about? Right? It begins, faith begins with hearing. And Isaiah, as a speaker for God, uh, goes and is told that his message will be marked by his speaking and the people's failure to hear. Uh, we have a, a dog at our house. Uh, he, uh, he's older than the church. He's a 15-year-old dachshund named Baxter. Uh, some of you have been listening to Baxter stories for a long time. Um, but 15 years old is old for a dachshund. And it's old for any dog, but you know, for a little dog. He's an old man now. Uh, and what's happened is over time, his hearing has gotten worse, uh, as it does for many of us as we get older. Uh, and so no longer can you rely on Baxter to the extent you could ever uh, to come when you call him to come, uh, to be quiet when you ask him to be quiet, to, to go to the door when you're ready for a walk. It seems like he's deaf completely to my voice. But every once in a while, when you say, Baxter, come here, treat, he perks up, tilts his head, and comes right over. And so you go, okay, one of two things is happening here. Either you're really deaf, or you've developed a kind of selective deafness to where you, you know, you ignore what you don't want to hear, but when that word that you know, something you want to hear comes, you respond. Some of you parents may notice a slight analogy with the two-legged children in your house. But Isaiah is basically told, look, these people uh, have a selective deafness. The people that you are going to announce this message to, my message of love, but also of judgment and correction, they're not going to hear you. And it's not because they can't. It's because of a heart problem, that their ears are stuffed because their hearts are hard, because they don't really want to hear what I have to say. And so, Isaiah is given basically what becomes an outline of the rest of the book. You can look at the story that God tells of Isaiah telling him what to expect. Is basically, these themes are going to come up over and over again, which is this. Isaiah is going to preach the message. The people are not going to believe the message. The people are then going to be judged for not hearing the message, not obeying and repenting. But God's grace is going to triumph even over their unbelief. Notice how it ends, uh, that the remnant is a stump, right? That the holy seed is the stump, that no matter how much Israel disbelieves, no matter how much they refuse to hear, no matter how terribly things seem to go, that their cities are cut down, they're carried off into exile, God is not going to give up to them on them. He's not going to grow tired of speaking 
his word of love, his word of grace, his offer of redemption. And he's going to preserve a stump. He's going to preserve a core. Sometimes it's going to be so, so tiny. But ultimately, a shoot is going to spring out of the stump that's going to bring new life to Israel and to the world. We spent the better part of last weekend removing a stump from our backyard. Uh, We had hired a tree service, got a great deal, uh, for them to come and cut down a tree. But what they don't tell you is they don't cut down all of the tree. They should call themselves most of a tree removal service because they leave the stump which is, of course, the worst part to get out, right? So I'm out there with a chainsaw and an axe and a shovel. Uh, My kids are out. Haley's out just fighting this stump for hours. Because as long as there's a stump there, there's a part of the tree there, right? You can't plant anything else. And if it's still alive, it might begin again to to grow. And God is saying that even though it looks like 90% of the tree is cut down, even though it looks like his judgment swipes away most of Israel, there's going to be a stubborn stump that's left, a faithful few that trust in his promise. And from that, he's going to bring his redeemer. A little later in Isaiah chapter 11, we're going to read that a shoot will come out of the stump of Jesse. That is David's line, a new king will come. And God's grace will triumph even over Israel's unbelief to bring new life to his people and to his world. That he'll again announce good news of new life to come. But the problem is, even when he brings new life, even when he brings his Savior, the persistent problem of deaf ears and hard hearts continues. Right, Jesus, when he walked the earth, what we read in the Gospels over and over again is that what he encountered were deaf ears and blind eyes and hard hearts. You know, think about, I mean, as we go in Isaiah, we're going to get these incredible promises of the Messiah, the servant who is to come, the king who is to come, all of these incredible promises that Isaiah points to Jesus. But you know what the most quoted words from Isaiah by Jesus are? It's these words from Isaiah chapter 6. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Right, of all of the other ways that Isaiah pointed ahead to Jesus, what Jesus saw in his commonality with Isaiah was this similarity that I come with a message. I come not just with a word from the Father, but as the word from the Father. And instead of ready response instead of faith, instead of obedience and humility, I run into hard hearts and deaf ears. Jesus, uh, in the life and ministry of Jesus, we see the continuing of this battle between God's grace and human unbelief, between God's pronouncement of his love and human resistance to that message. Yes, the promise is that grace will ultimately triumph over our hard hearts. But the scene of the battle where belief and unbelief work it out, where grace works to, to overcome unbelief, is in our ears. It's in how we hear and receive the announcement of God's grace. And so that's what we're going to look at here 
Look at what we're supposed to do. How do we hear well? How do we hear believingly when the word comes to us? Whether in Isaiah's day or Jesus' day or our own day, how do we listen so as to be changed? And I think the answer is here in the second part of Isaiah 6.10. Lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. You know, like a message like this, Isaiah's hearers about their hard hearts and deaf ears and all of that, they weren't supposed to read it or hear it and go, oh well, I guess we're deaf and can't hear. Or I guess we're hard-hearted and there's nothing we can do about that. Right? Even with this almost entirely pessimistic announcement of judgment, they weren't supposed to go, oh well, we're too hard-hearted or too deaf. The response was meant to be, God, how can we be different? Right? How can we hear rightly? How can we hear believingly? Right? How can we avoid what you're talking about here of our deaf ears and our hard hearts and your coming judgment? They were meant to hear it so that they could hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Every time the prophets speak, the invitation was to repent and to turn, to hear and to be healed. And so a faithful hearing of God's word means turning from hearing to understanding, from understanding to turning, and from turning to healing. First, it's the movement from merely hearing to understanding. Right? Just, you know, as we said at the beginning, just because you've heard something, just because you've read something, doesn't mean you've grappled with it to a point of understanding, to the point of really trying to understand what is being spoken. And Isaiah is offering out the hope that his hearers shouldn't let it go in one ear and out the other, but should hear in order to understand. This is the engaging of God's word, his announcement. With your whole self, with your mind, trying to understand who he is and what he's communicating to you. Right? This ought to be the case every time we come into an encounter with the word of God, which of course we encounter in the scriptures which we encounter when we read the Bible on our own, that we encounter when we hear a sermon preached, that we encounter when we gather with friends and encourage one another in a growth group or over coffee, that every time we engage with the Word of God, we put ourselves in a position to hear His voice, we got to try to understand what's being spoken. Because ultimately, all of God's Word speaks of Jesus. It speaks of His grace and His offer of Himself. And so we're to try to come to understand God's Word, to study it and to learn it, to read it in order to understand it and to know it. You know, one of the things that becomes true uh, and clear to us in Isaiah and in the Gospels is that every encounter with God's Word, every encounter with Jesus as He speaks from God's Word, brings us either into a place of a harder heart or a softer heart, right? Every encounter with Jesus leaves us changed in some way or the other. And he never leaves us just the same. And so when Isaiah announces the word, it forms an invitation for his people, but also a crisis of are you either going to be soft-hearted and listen, or are you going to be hard-hearted and reject Because you're not just going to stay the same. You're either going to grow to listen and to learn and to let him inform you and teach you. 
or you're going to submit your mind to the mind of God. You're going to submit your ears to his hearing. This means that every time uh, we pick up the scriptures, every time we listen to a sermon, every time we gather with Christian friends to study the Bible, we ought to do so with a posture of wanting to learn from Jesus who he is and what he's like. Kids, some of y'all are at the age where you're starting to read the Bible on your own, right? And, and, and you've grown from a, you know, you maybe started out reading storybook Bibles and, uh, you know, action Bibles and comic book Bibles and all those things are, are awesome. And now some of you are beginning uh, to start to read the Bible on your own, which is a beautiful thing. And my encouragement to you is every time you read the Bible, to look for where Jesus is in that Bible, showing you something about himself, showing you who he is and what he wants for you, what he offers you. Yeah, it's full of incredible stories, action-packed stories, exciting stories, but more than that, it's full of Jesus who loves you and who wants you to know him. And so when we read the Bible, we do it to be informed by Jesus. Some of you are here and maybe you don't entirely know why you're in church today. I've been there. Some of you are here and you're, you're considering Christianity, you're seeking, and, but maybe you're a little bit skeptical still about Christianity and church and Jesus and all of that. Well, the invitation to you is to keep coming and to keep listening, to learn who Jesus really is, to read the Bible, to pick it up in your own time and to read the gospel. To ask Jesus to show himself to you, to sh for God to show himself to you. Because, listen, whatever else is true, whatever you end up, uh, wherever your faith journey ends up taking you, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to God, to make sure that the Jesus that you're either accepting in faith or ultimately choosing to walk away from is the real Jesus. Right, that you're dealing with the real thing, Jesus as he is, as he shows himself to be, as he speaks himself to be. And so one, one thing I've just encouraged all of my friends who are, who are struggling through faith and unbelief, aren't sure yet what they believe, is just pick up a Bible, pray a simple prayer. God, show yourself to me. If you're real, show yourself to me. Let me get to know you. And then pick up and start with the gospel. Start with Mark. Start with John. And just ask Jesus to speak to you, to show himself to you. All of my experience tells me that that is a prayer that God loves to answer. When someone says, Jesus, I want to know you. Help me to go from hearing to understanding who you really are. So genuine hearing is a move from simply hearing to understanding and then from understanding to turning. Look at what he says that you would hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. This word turn is the, becomes the New Testament word repentance, metanoia. It means to turn around, to redirect your life. This is the challenge and the invitation to read the Bible with the intent of changing your life on the basis of what you find there. If reading the Bible for understanding means approaching it with a certain intellectual uh, curiosity. God, I, I'm not sure I know you. I want to know you. Reading the Bible repentantly is to approach God's word with, a, with enough moral humility to say, God, there's a good chance that I've been living my life wrong in some important areas. 
right? If, if seeking understanding is to say I might be wrong intellectually, to read it repentantly is to say, God, I might be wrong morally. I might be wrong in my relationships. I might be wrong about what I think matters most in my life. I might even be wrong uh, in some of the ways that I'm, that I'm handling my life, my body, my money, my relationships, and my possessions. And it's to come to God and to say, God, if there's any place in my life where my life is outside of what you've designed me for, what you've called me to, what your word tells me to do, I want to shift my life to line up with your word. This is, uh, I will be honest, the exact opposite of the way that most of us read the Bible. Right? Most of us, and this is true if you're new to Christianity, it's true if, you're, if you've been at it for a long time. The way most of us bring to the Bible is looking for God to affirm what we already think we ought to be doing. Right? God, I'm going to come to your word. Show me where I'm right. Show me where my presuppositions have been right. Show, show me a verse that I can use to give myself permission for these things that I really want to be doing. Right? So instead of going to God's word as students under God, we go to God's word as judges. Right? To say, God, you speak, and I'll tell you whether or not I like what you have to say. I'll tell you whether or not uh, your wisdom lines up with my wisdom. But friends, the posture of Jesus, or the posture of a follower of Jesus, is to sit at his feet as a student. Right? It's to sit at his feet as his disciples did, looking to him. And saying, Jesus, tell me. Tell me how you want me to live. Tell me where life is to be found. Tell me how I ought to shape and live my life. I want to repent. I want to turn around if I've been heading in the wrong direction. Later on in Isaiah chapter 30, Isaiah is going to say, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. In repentance and rest. Doesn't that sound like a great invitation? Repent, turn around, and then rest. And then rest, right? You're, you're not turning around and getting going in the right direction so you can be good enough or earn God's love or earn His favor or prove to Him or anybody else that you're worthy of His love. You turn, you believe, and then you rest in knowing that He loves you and that He meets you there. So from hearing to understanding, understanding to turning, and then finally from turning to healing, that you might turn and be healed. Right? The reason for coming to Jesus, the reason for repenting for our uh, lives that are heading in the wrong direction is so that we can meet the Jesus who comes to heal us. Right? He comes to forgive us and he comes to make us new. Right, if you read uh, our church's core values, one of the things that we believe under the heading of transformation is that there is nothing about us or our world that Jesus cannot change. There's nothing in us and there's nothing in our world that won't ultimately be transformed by Jesus. Right, when he comes finally to dry every tear and to set every broken way straight and to heal this world, Ultimately, everything will be transformed by Jesus. And there's nothing inside of us that's excluded from that. Not our addictions, not our unbelief, not our doubts, 
uh, not our anger, not our lust, not our greed. There's nothing in us that Jesus doesn't have the power to heal. And I know that some of you, I know that myself on a bad day, doesn't believe that really. There's parts of my life and parts of my character that I've gotten so used to that I might pay lip service to the idea that God could change them. But ultimately, I I fear that they're so ingrained in who I am that they're just not going to change. Old patterns, old addictions, old habits, ways that we've been living our lives for so long, we almost can't imagine doing it differently. But friends, brothers and sisters, Jesus comes to heal. He tells us in his word, right, that he came as a great physician, that he came not for the healthy. The doctor comes not for the healthy, but for the sick. He came not to seek the righteous, but sinners. So that when we admit that we're broken beyond our ability to heal ourselves, Jesus steps in as our healer. Every time we encounter Jesus in his word, we run into the Savior who in John chapter 5, remember that story where he meets the crippled man, the pool of Bethesda, and he asks him, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? On the surface, that seems like a ridiculous question, right? It seems cruel to ask somebody who's sitting, unable to walk on a mat, do you want to be made well? But it's a searching question. Because we do get so used to our own brokenness. We get so used to all of our limits and all of our addictions and all of our sins and hang-ups that it's not a rhetorical question to ask, do you really want to be well? Do you want to leave this life behind? Do you want to let Jesus touch you and heal you and transform you? Every time we encounter Jesus, we encounter the one who asks, do we want to be made well? Who reaches out and has the power to touch us and to change us. And the incredible, remember we started with Luther. Christianity, the organ of Christianity is the ear. Right, that the healing that Jesus offers takes place first and foremost as we hear his voice, as we listen to his word, as we let his word seep in from our ear to our hearts and to our lives. He has the power to change us, to heal us, and to turn us around. It's in the hearing of his promise. This is still where he meets us. And brothers and sisters, it's here in the hearing of his word that he wants to meet you even today, right now. Through his word and by the power of his spirit. When you hear his voice, the author of Hebrews says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Right? Don't build up your defenses again against him. But listen, hear his voice, hear his word. Ask him to speak his word so that it goes down into your heart. Hold your life loosely enough to say, Jesus, I want to turn around. You have the right to command every part of my life. Show me how you'd have me live. And then heal me, touch me, change me in a way that only you can Hear his voice, don't resist it, because his voice is the voice of the Father's love, seeking after his lost sheep. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you tell us in your word that uh, your sheep listen to your voice. 
Lord, we long to listen to your voice, to the voice that calls us your beloved, to the voice that calls us to lay our lives down, to turn, to be healed, to believe, to follow you. Lord Jesus, we long to be a people who instead of having deaf ears and hard hearts, have open ears and soft hearts, people who are easy to lead, people who are easy to, uh, to follow after our master. And so, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would change us through the power of your promise in the gospel. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Christ Church in town, please visit our website at ChristChurchInTown.org.